All thanks and praises due to God. We seek God's help and forgiveness. We seek refuge in God from the evil within ourselves and the consequences of our evil deeds. Whoever God guides will never be led astray. And whoever God allows to go astray will never find guidance. I bear witness there is no God but God, alone, without any partners. And I bear witness that Muhammad is God's servant and God's messenger. O ye who believe, be mindful of God as is God's due, and make sure you devote yourselves to God to your dying moment. So thank you, Hasna and Samia, for this opportunity to speak to you today. I want to open up a discussion about having perspective. And I'm going to start by recalling the story that most of you know in the Quran, and it's the story about Moses and the junction of the two seas. The story is told in Surah 18, Ayat 60 to 82. And this is a story of Moses, and it's a story about Moses after he became a prophet. Despite him having revelation and having guidance from God, he's still an obedient servant and is seeking knowledge. He wants to know more about the mysteries of living. So he starts out on a journey with an attendant, with a, someone to help him. And he says, I will not give up this journey for knowledge until I reach the junction of two seas or until I spend years and years in travel. He and the attendant were seeking a wise servant of God to instruct them, to give them higher knowledge. And the, the Quran describes this person as one of the servants of God on whom, quote, on whom we have bestowed mercy from ourselves and whom we had taught knowledge from our own presence. So Moses and his servant are on this journey. They have a few, a misstep or so, but I'm not going to go into the details of that. But they finally find this person. And Moses asked the servant of God if, the, if he can follow along with him so that he can learn the higher truth that the servant of God knows. The servant of God smiles at Moses and he says, okay, and you have to bear with me, I'm, 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 I'm paraphrasing what this says, so I, I refer you to the Quran for the exact, exact um, Arabic of, of what's happening, but the servant of God smiles at Moses when Moses asks him for the knowledge, and the servant says, okay, but you're not going to be able to, to have patience. You don't have the patience that it will take to get this true understanding. Your understanding is incomplete. So he's telling Moses this from the beginning. And Moses says, no, 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 no. If Allah wills, I will be patient, and I will not disobey you at all. The servant says, OK, you can come with me. But you cannot ask me any questions about what you see until I tell you about these things myself. So they set out on their journey. The first scenario is they're in a boat. And after they disembark from the boat, the servant of God wrecks the boat. Moses can't control himself at this point. He says, what are you doing? Are you trying to drown the next people who use this boat? This is very, very strange. What is going on? 
And the servant says, didn't I tell you that you wouldn't be able to be patient with me? And Moses says, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot, I forgot. Just, you know, be patient with me. I'm, go easy on me. I'm okay. I can do this. Then something more serious happens. The servant of God approaches a young man, and he kills him. At this point, Moses loses it. He's like, you just killed an innocent person who has killed no one. You've done a truly horrible thing here. The servant of God remains calm. He simply reminds Moses that he was not supposed to question him. And Moses catches himself, and he says, I promise I'm not going to ask any more questions. Don't, don't, don't get rid of me. Just bear with me. I apologize. So then they go on their journey, and they come to a town. And they ask the inhabitants of this, this town for some food. They're hungry, right? And the townspeople, they don't give them any food. They refuse all hospitality. So they go on, and the servant of God finds a wall near the town, and he fixes the wall. Again, what happens? Moses can't hold his tongue, right? And he asks the servant, you could have at least asked for some food or something to pay for the fixing of the wall. Come on. They didn't give us anything. So finally, the servant says, you know, that's it. You and I, we're done. We've got a part company here. It's over. But now I will tell you the interpretation of those things over which you were not able to be patient. So we know in the story, in the first incident, the boat that the servant of God damaged belonged to some very needy people. There was a greedy king, and he would have taken that boat, and those needy men who owned the boat wouldn't have had any way to earn a livelihood. So by wrecking it, it's actually saved the boat for the needy men who owned it. The second incident, the murder, the parents of the young man who, they, who this servant killed, they were people of faith. They were good people. And there was a fear that the son would cause the parents grief because he was rebellious and ungrateful to both God and man. And so, as the Quran says, we desire that their sustainer grant them in his stead a child of greater purity than him and closer to them in loving tenderness. In the final incident with the wall that the servant of God repaired, the wall belonged to two youths who were orphans. And there was a buried treasure beneath that wall that belonged to their father who had died. And he was a righteous man. And Allah wanted the youth to grow into adulthood so that they could get the treasure for themselves. So that's how the story ends. And I love these Quranic stories, but I particularly love this one because every time I return to it, it has so many different insights on many, many different levels. One of the lessons of this story is the importance of patience in our lives. In any given situation, in any challenge that we face, we usually want the answer or the resolution to that problem as soon as possible. We want it resolved immediately. But this story is telling us that we don't always know the full story right away. How many times have you experienced something that seems like a setback 
And later you find that what you thought was negative was really a positive. There may be some really significant goals that you have in your life. You may really have wanted to go on a particular trip or move to a new place or a new city or get a certain job or marry a certain person, right? But then you learn later, sometimes years later, that it was not for you. In hindsight, you realize that you actually got something even better, or you may have been saved from a very bad circumstance. So I'm going to reflect on a couple of stories here that demonstrate this issue of patience and perspective over time. And one of them is the story of Nelson Mandela. So Nelson Mandela was fighting to end apartheid in South Africa, as you know, and he was in prison for 27 years, the prime of his life. But for Nelson Mandela, prison transformed him. The prime of his life actually came when he was an older man. In prison, he learned compassion, he learned patience, he learned, he learned perseverance. And with those skills, those qualities, he was able to lead South Africa into a very peaceful transmission, transition, and he changed the country. So the hardship, out of that hardship of being in prison, ultimately transformed not only Mandela, but the whole country. So here's another example. Um, it's a personal one. Um, one of my cousins was diagnosed with stage three lung cancer a few years ago. She had worked very hard all her life and she was getting ready to retire after about 30 years working as a, as a school teacher. She was really looking forward to retirement. She made a lot of plans. And then she comes up with this diagnosis. She'd never been a smoker and she's got lung cancer. She could easily have said, why me? Why now? I mean, come on. I've been a good person, right? But she chose a different perspective. She said that she was lucky to be living now, that there were cancer treatments that could help her, treatments that didn't even exist a few years ago. And so with that diagnosis, she decided that she would live her life, whatever she had left, she would live her life to the fullest. Well, thankfully, she's in remission right now. She's doing okay. But she told me when I saw her this summer, she says, you know, being diagnosed with cancer was a good thing for her because it made her understand and appreciate her life. And she started doing the things that she had put off. So I believe that any circumstance that we face in our lives can be viewed from many different perspectives. And I think that's what this Quranic story is trying to tell us. When Moses witnessed that murder of the youth, he instinctively chose the perspective of a crime against an innocent person. All of us would have, right? We would have thought, you're killing somebody who seems to us to be an innocent person. But the story is telling us that there was another perspective. Only Allah in his wisdom has full knowledge. We know that. 
We simply do not know everything. We don't have the knowledge. Moses was seeking it. He was given the knowledge that there are other perspectives. And this Quranic story is given to us to increase our understanding in our own lives. What is a different perspective on whatever challenge we are facing? In what ways can we look at our situation differently? I say what I have said. May Allah forgive us all. Alhamdulillah. All praise and thanks are due to God. So I'm going to repeat what I ended in the first part of the khutbah. In what way can we look at our situation differently? In what way can we change our perspective? So two weeks ago, we learned of the Muslims who were killed in New Zealand. This is a tragedy that is so deeply felt, not only for us Muslims, but all around the world. And for us as Muslims, we know what those believers were doing when they were killed. They were worshiping in much the same way that we're worshiping right now. So our hearts are broken, we are grieving, we are hurt. But at the same time, these killings also remind us that this easily could have been us. Just like the Jewish worshipers in Pittsburgh, the Christians in Mother Manuel Church in Charleston, the Sikh worshipers at the temple in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. This is the world that we live in, and the list goes on and on. So not only are we grieving, but we're also reflecting how fragile our circumstances are. So having perspective and believing that Allah is in control can help us. We pray that all of those who died will find peace in Jannah and that Allah will have mercy on those that they left behind. Only Allah knows. I was told a couple weeks ago when I was at the Islamic Center uh, right after the shooting, um, this is a story that, that was told there that when the shooting happened at the mosque in New Zealand, the first one, many of the people heard the shooting, the shots, and they ran. But some of the people were in their prayer. They were doing their sunnah prayers. They were in prostration. And they didn't move. They didn't move. They were shot. What kind of strength of faith does that have? That, what does that tell you, you know? I'm, I'm so touched by that example. So we know Allah is in control, and they knew that so deeply. When, when they made that decision to stay in their place, to remain in communication with their creator. So what does the power perspective tell us in this situation? Well, let's also imagine, as tragic as, it, as this is, what good may also come out of this incident? And I'll give you a wonderful example. The Prime Minister of New Zealand is a woman named Jacinda Ardern. She came to the funeral when they were burying the, some of the Muslims who had been shot. She spoke at the, the funeral. She quoted the Prophet Muhammad and she, she quoted Quran. She came and she set an amazing example of leadership. 
She didn't hesitate. She didn't waver. She said that all New Zealand is one. Only Allah knows how many hearts, not only in New Zealand, but hearts all over the world that were touched by knowing what she said and what she did. Within a week of the shooting, the gun laws in New Zealand were changed. Gun owners in New Zealand were turning in their assault rifles in one week. Alhamdulillah. So some good has come out of it. How many lives were saved by that? We don't know. So shifting the perspective. Tragedy, loss, and maybe benefit on the other side. The shooter in New Zealand was motivated by hate. Hate is a very extreme manifestation of feeling disconnected from other people, from our fellow human beings. Hate is the opposite of the one that the Prime Minister was talking about in New Zealand. And disconnection is a very creeping affliction. I say creeping because it can creep into all of us in small ways. Of course, the most extreme example is the shooter in New Zealand. He's totally disconnected from his humanity. But what about us? Disconnection can happen, I believe, if we lose perspective. If we lose our perspective of who we are and what's going on. So, I'm going to shift gears here. I want to give you an example that all of you are familiar with. You probably encountered this on your way here today. And that's the challenge we all face of driving in Los Angeles. In our motor vehicles, right? It's very frustrating. You're on the freeway, somebody f cuts in front of you, you got a break suddenly. I don't know about you, but when this happens, my first reaction is to get angry. You idiot! You could have killed me! You jerk! Or worse. <laughs> right? I don't think I'm the only one that has that reaction, right? But if I think about it, I have a choice here. I can go there, I can get angry, but I could also shift my perspective. I could think, well, maybe that driver's rushing to the hospital because their loved one is ill or been in an accident or something very serious has happened and I should give them some slack. Instead of thinking about me, I should maybe think about that person and maybe his circumstance or her circumstance is, is troubling right now. So I should take the focus off of me and what I need and what I want and I and me and mine to the other human beings in my world. Okay, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Gail, you're being a little naive here. Um, that driver is just a very self-important jerk. <laughs> There's no way around it, okay? But we can be thankful even in that situation. Even the guy is a jerk, right? We can say, well, at least I didn't get in an accident. And well, I'm not a self-important reckless jerk, right? I would never do that, right? We don't drive like that. None of us do. We're perfect. So that's another way to shift your perspective, right? Plus it relieves the stress. Angry, being angry is not healthy for us. 
And in fact, um, there's a really another benefit when we stop thinking about ourselves and the other person. We shift our perspective. According to a health researcher named Larry Schuritz, and I'm quoting him from a journalist named Douglas Abrams. I was reading this article about it. People who frequently say, I, me, mine, in a study, had a higher risk of having a heart attack and had a higher risk of their heart attack being fatal than other people. That's kind of astounding, isn't it? Quote, Sherwitz found that this so-called self-involvement was a better predictor of death than smoking, high cholesterol, and high blood pressure. <laughs> Simply by using words, I, me, mine, as opposed to we and us. Something to think about in shifting our perspective, right? So I'm going to return back to the Quran, because that's our base, and that's the guidance, and it is timeless. The Quran gives us guidance on this topic of perspective, on patience. And as a parent, I can tell you, I've often drawn strength in dealing with my, ch my own children from another story in the Quran, and that's the story about Jacob, Yaqub, and Yusuf. You know the story about the story of Joseph, Yusuf, the brothers are, he throw him into the well and he disappears and, and Jacob learns that, that his beloved son Yusuf is gone, he doesn't know what's gone, happened to him, so he makes a choice. He could have gotten angry. He could have said to the other sons, he could have said, I told you to be careful, I told you, watch out for him. And now look what happened. Or he could have felt sorry for himself. He could have said, my beloved son is gone. Woe is me. What am I going to do? My beloved Yusuf, the, the apple of my lie, the love of my life. But rather than anger or grief, he chose another perspective. He told his sons, I don't know about what you're telling me. You can tell me anything, but I'm going to wait to find out from my Lord, from Allah, about what happened to Yusuf. In the Quran, it's quotes, it says, patience is most fitting. That's what it says, Jacob said in the Quran. And it took, as you know, many, many years before Yusuf was restored to him. But Jacob had faith that Allah was all-knowing and that only Allah's mercy would lead him to understanding. He understood, Jacob understood, that faith does not guarantee ease. Faith is the path to patience and perspective. As we often recite from Surah Al-Asr, Haq, Enjoying truth and patience in adversity. So with that, I'm going to close with a dua, and I pray that you will join me in, in praying for all those who were killed in New Zealand two weeks ago. We pray that you will shower your mercy on their loved ones and make it easy for them. We pray that you will give us strength, courage, and wisdom to work for peace, justice, and love in all the ways that we can and with all the means that we can. We pray for patience and perseverance and perspective. We pray that you will grant us what will make us worthy of your mercy. God commands justice, doing good, 
and generosity toward relatives, and God forbids what is shameful, blameworthy, and oppressive. God teaches you so that you may take heed. Recite what has been revealed to you of the book and stay consistent in prayer. Indeed, prayer restrains the human from lewd and wicked behavior, but the remembrance of God is even greater, and God knows everything you are doing. Amen. Wa'akimi salat. Let us make the prayer. <clears throat> 